Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friend, Corey, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Car sent you. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car's been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. you to buy your ticket. 3.2 minutes. Time it took you to get your popcorn. 2.5 minutes. Time it took them. Let's go, let's go, go. To steal your car. Hello, ladies. 60 seconds. What else do you have in the warehouse? A day to shop, a day to prep. Surprise attack. Nice. Little trick I learned at the car thief retirement home. By the time the first car's reported stolen, your ship set sail. We do this, we do it my way. This was a sucker for a redhead. Now, if I was driving a 1967 275 GTB4 cam, he would not be a self-indulgent meaner, sir. He would be a connoisseur. Precisely. Okay, let's run. What do you think is more exciting, having sex or stealing cars? You want to go for a ride? Hell yes. And now... Hey, Rocky, watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat. Again? Nothing up my sleeve. Presto! No doubt about it. I gotta get another hat. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. This is Keith Martin, publisher of Sports Car Market and American Car Collector, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, listeners, welcome. You're tuning into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers in Google Tantalk1340.com, and you can see us right here live in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfstreamMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. And if you've missed any of our past shows, 504 to be exact, Bobby, 504 shows, you can go to our archive page, Nostalgic Radio and Cars. And on that note, we're coming up on our 10-year anniversary in three, not one, not two, but three weeks. Three more shows, right? Yes. Good evening, Bobby. Oh, how are you? Pretty good. Tommy! Tommy's manning the controls in there. Hey, good to see you. Yeah, yeah so you're uh, at least <laughs> Good to six see anybody today. <laughs> <laughs> you're six feet away plus, right? 
And you got a window between us. He's quarantined here at the station. He's Just perfect. Just <laughs> perfect. Yeah, well, we got our good friend Scrubby Bubbles with us. Now, we still need to call those guys and see yeah. if they're going to give us some or more we're just going to start, start calling it bleach cleaner after that. <laughs> bleach cleaner. Yeah, I actually bought some of that uh, with that hydrogen stuff. That uh, I actually found it at uh, Lowe's the other day when I was yes. in there snooping around. That other more well known, or the other the other other sanitation company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lysol. Well, we need to get. Oh, there we go. I just slipped oh, and get. You know what? They should. That, 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 we need to send them a bill. That's it. Right, we'll just bill them. Get them, them on and the that, phone. Yeah, <laughs> my phone. Just bill them. That's what we're gonna do. Okay. So. Uh, anyway. What's today? Today's the twenty first, right? Yep. Wow. Anyway, all right. So, uh, Bobby, since you're uh, more of kind of a news guy than I am, um, what's going on with the? Uh, Car show scene at the FLA car show scene? Well, like I said, there's plenty of other ways to stay entertained on flacarshows.com. Uh, you can see what's coming up later in the year, so you can uh, schedule your 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 projects accordingly. Uh, make sure you get it all put back together by then. You know, I, <laughs> I, I'm wondering if the guys up north are saying, eh, no big deal, because they don't drive the cars in the wintertime anyway, right? So they're working on the crawls all oh, yeah, winter like, long. Well, so we've been quarantined all the time. They're quarantined, yeah, you know, from like November to like um, March, April, something Say, like that. Put your wine down there in Florida. <laughs> yeah. So no, that wasn't right, a, no, that wasn't a CLV cough. Okay. Anyway, uh, yeah, you know, I, 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 like I said, it really doesn't bother me. I mean, I got listen. You know, it's funny because you see people walking around. You see people going here and there. And there's a ton of cars on the road, but obviously there's none of the businesses are doing a ton of stuff, you know. But uh, I actually stopped at uh, – where was it today? Oh, yeah, today I had to go look at uh, a Harley-Davidson motorcycle because uh, one of my yeah. customers, a new customer, called me up the other day, and they were involved in a motorcycle accident. Now, i got to tell you, that's – you know, I ride bikes. Now, Bobby, you ride bikes, but you don't ride them on the street. You kind of – well, we kind of cruise around the neighborhood, but we had, like, more dirt bike, mini bike things. Mm-hmm. But I used to ride motorcycles on the street, and then after having a couple of close calls myself, then I got tapped in the back one time and pushed into one intersection. I thought, nah, you know what? I'm going to stay off the streets. Now, up north, you know, like, say, Citrus County, Hernando County, there's plenty of cool roads up there, and riding the bike's pretty cool. But this gentleman called me the other day, and he had a uh, – uh, a couple-year-old um, Harley-Davidson Electroglide, and him and his wife were on the bike, and he's had the bike for a while, and it's kind of tricked out and everything like that. And he was going down the road. He's actually up there on Keene and, uh, and uh, Main Street in that area. And a lady just kind of kept creeping out, creeping out, creeping out. And, of course, you know, you, they, they teach you in, in driver's ed, read the road. R-E-A-D stands for something. I can't remember what it was, but basically read the road. And you have to, you know. Something we don't understand down here. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot. Yeah. So, at any rate, but, like, for example, you know, when you're going down the road, you know, they when when I was a kid, there was a commercial, and it always used to say, watch out for the other guy. I never really understood that, and you really do. You have to watch out for the other guy because you don't know what the other guy's going to do. Right, Tommy? I mean, you're driving down the road. You know what you're going to do. And I'm still amazed, still amazed, because I drive a truck a lot, you know, I'm or an SUV, so I'm up high, so I can see down on everybody, right? And I'm totally amazed at how many people still diddy bop down the road with that phone in their hand. Now, I usually hey. pull over, <laughs> I pull over, or sometimes I pull over to median or someplace like that if I have to respond to something right away, a text or something like that, business purposes only, obviously, uh, or I'll pull over. And um, rarely ever do I do it at the intersection right now. I mean, I do still use the phone to call, you know, but I generally put it on speaker and keep it in my lap or on my shoulder or something like that. So I try not to be distracted. And um, But I'm amazed at how many people, you know, and, and I'm on the road a lot, and, and they're in the left lane, you know, which is basically the speed lane. And they're going slow. And nothing irritates me more when I go across Courtney Campbell, Howard Franklin, or something like that. You know, and I'm blowing down the road. You know, not that I'm always speeding, but, uh, you know, I do have a tendency to kind of leg it, you know. But at any rate, um, you know, so people are driving. But anyway, so what happened was this guy kind of, this lady creeped out in front of the guy on the motorcycle, and him and his wife creamed it. And when you look at the bike and you see that the front fender and wheels turned and the forks are pushed in up against the triple tree or up the, against the, the frame right there, they were very, very fortunate. He wasn't wearing a helmet. She was, but she had one of those little half-shell brain bucket deals. And uh, no major injuries. And he was able to, because he's an experienced rider, and like me, a lot of us rode bikes, dirt bikes, when we were kids. And I will say this, that if you're a dirt bike rider, you're used to doing dumb things on motorcycles, you know, like pulling wheelies, which I'm, never really, I'm not really a wheelie kind of guy, but I did kind of, you know, fly through the woods and stuff a lot. And uh, But I was more of a speed freak. I'm an acceleration guy. I like getting from point A to point B real quick. So I was more of a drag racer kind of guy. And at road races, so I love curns and twisty stuff like that. But still, riding a dirt bike, you learn a lot because you're in the dirt. In fact, the same thing holds true for like a, a race car driver. A race car driver that came off the dirt 
really understands car control. A dirt bike rider understands, you know, bike control, so to speak. So if you take those traits, those experiences, those uh, skills. skills, that's the word I was looking for, um, ding, 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 <laughs> um, those skills, if you apply those on when you're riding a street bike, it can save your life. And that's exactly how this guy and his wife managed to survive. He was able to sit there, slide the bike, which is kind of, you know, you just re- keep in mind, on the motorcycle, 75% of the braking, same thing with the car, is on the front wheels and tires. The last thing you want to do is grab that front, that uh, handlebar, and pull tight on that front wheel because you're going over the handlebars. So you definitely lean back, stand up if you have to, throw your weight to one way, throw the bike to one side, try to slide the doggone thing, drag that bag tire if you have to. And uh, he was able to do that, but he could miss the van. You know, it was a SUV, so he creamed it. Fortunately, he wasn't going fast. A few minutes later, he, after the stars were buzzing around his head there, you know, he was first thing he was worried about was his wife, obviously. You know, he went over, checked out, she was fine. Little dazed, startled, and everything like that. But other than a few scratches, they were in pretty good shape for the most part. That's all I'm allowed to disclose. At any rate, yeah, um, <laughs> but the, I went to look at the bike, okay? So the bike, you know, it's uh, always, anytime you have an accident, I will tell you this. This is why you have to call me, contact us. That's uh, all those of us at uh, Gulfstream Motorsports, Team Gulfstream Motorsports, if you need a diminished value or total loss or an appraisal or anything like that. Because, uh, you know, you're going to have to fight with the insurance company. And they will try to give you next to nothing for your vehicle. So in this particular case, this gentleman had his motorcycle was souped up, had a custom paint job on it, had a couple of other little goodies and little personalized things that he did to the bike. That all adds value. So when your bike's crashed, make sure, this is one thing I cannot overemphasize, we're gonna have somebody back on from one of the insurance companies. When you buy a car, a bike, and you make modifications, make sure that if you insure your car, particularly if it's a classic or something unique, for agreed value, that means take your vehicle and add all the modifications that you did to it and make sure that's on your schedule, your addendum, whatever it costs, so that you're getting covered for that. Because if it's not on there and you sign a contract with the insurance companies, for stated value, your SOL. I'm sure you all know what SOL stands for. And uh, you're still out of luck. Okay. Anyway. Right, um, for the radio. <laughs> so for the purpose of the radio show, yeah. And the FCC rules. But anyway, so your SOL. So fortunately, but he had a little provision that allowed him to go cost of the bike plus $3,000 with improvement. But he had way more than that. He had close to fifteen, sixteen thousand dollars $16,000 in there. So you need someone with my expertise, my experience, that understands how all this all works. Because there's an art in writing this, you know, when you're writing the summary, when you're writing the report, because you want to sit there and label it. Now, as the rule of thumb goes, is used parts, because I'm a junkyard guy, salvage yard guy. When you buy something new, let's just say you pay 100 bucks for it. When it's used, it's worth 100. It's worth half, 50%. That's the rule of thumb. So, for example, like two years ago, I did this Nissan GTR. The guy had, I don't know, $190,000 in this car. But he had a legit hundred and $35,000, worth of improvements the second go-around, not the first go-around. The first go-around, he had 40000 So you start adding forty to one thirty, you're at one seventy plus the cost of the vehicle. He had way over $200,000 in this car. Pretty quick, 14, 15, 1,600 horsepower. You know, these Nissans and these Toyotas, you know, they get a lot of horsepower. I mean, some of the cars over displaced in Tampa, um, they had chutes on the back. They're six and a half, seven-second cars on the street. So pretty serious stuff. But nonetheless, I wrote that evaluation, and they got it. $130,000 plus. So, again, you know, I, you have to make a good argument. You've got to know what you're doing. You know, I've got umpteen years, 40-plus years experience in the business with cars and this and that. So, I kind of know, know my way around a little bit. No guarantees, but I do my darndest. The other car that I want to look at today was a 2017-2015 Lamborghini Gallardo. Here's another one for you guys. Pay attention to this. When you take your car in for service, it's real important, even if, like in this case, the guy took the car and he got a set of tires put on the back of a Lamborghini Gallardo. The car has 8,300 miles on it. It's a Spider, so that means the top goes down. It's, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollar car, right? So the tires are bald, and there's a very, very soft compound on these tires because they got to be sticky because, you know, these cars are pretty fast and, you know, used to go fast, so you want to stick to the ground, so you got to have sticky tires so they have... Uh, soft compound sticks to the ground. Okay, that's how that basically works. In short, look at a race car sometime. At any rate, the shop took the car out for a little spin. When I say spin, I mean literally a spin. Mm. Okay, you're not supposed to take a customer's car out on a drive. Mm. Now, I, ha- I carry garage keeper's liability. That means if something happens to your vehicle in my possession, if I'm working on it, I'm responsible for it, my insurance company will pay for it. 
Well, every shop, the majority of the shops, good shops, all have GL, garage keepers, GL, garage liability. So at any rate, they took this vehicle out for a spin, one of the service guys, never even changed the tires, and kind of uh, turned it into a uh, off-road Lamborghini, okay? Hmm. Not they a very don't good make th- those. Huh. No, they don't make those anymore. <clears throat> and it just, although they do make a Lamborghini SUV right, that's, that's based, <laughs> Lamborghini SUV that's based on the, the the Audi yeah. or the Touareg or whatever they call it thing. And uh, so basically they kind of clipped the undercarriage, the front valance and all that other good stuff. There's probably seven eighty thousand dollars damage to this car. Physically, when you look at the car, it really doesn't look that bad. But when we start looking underneath the car and you see that they bent the frame and everything else underneath the car, it's tweaked. It's really not, you know, these cars like Ferraris and Porsches and stuff like that, they got aluminum chassis, titanium this and lightweight this and aerospace this and it's just all kinds of cool stuff underneath there which is expensive which makes them kind of unique and stuff like that so you got to be a really you have to be certified by Lamborghini by Porsche by Ferrari by whoever in order to put these cars back together particularly if they have frame damage so the where I'm going with this basically is that again my expertise you know will definitely be uh, on the right page if I have to write a report for this kind of car because I've done these cars before, you know, or high-end cars, and you really need to know what you're doing. Now, again, if you don't know, you basically sit there and you have to kind of do a little homework and research, and that's what's very, very important. A lot of people just assume, ah, it's just a car. No, it's not. You've got to take the time, you've got to research it, you've got to go to the dealer, you've got to call the manufacturer, you've got to call a service guy so you can get educated so you know what's going on. And you've got to be honest and say, hey, look, you know, I really don't know, do these cars that often, um, and every car is unique. I, I understand the basics, but here, help me through this a little bit. You know, educate me, and 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 they and they appreciate that. Okay. On that note, I think we're going to fire up the stereo system here real quick. I think we got a little. Uh, do we have Blackmore's night? Now you guys know I'm a big Deep Purple fan. And I think Richie Blackmore is probably one of the best guitarists ever. Well, he's got a new group that's been around for a while. I mean, he went to Rainbow, and uh, but it's called Black. Black, Blackmore's Night. So here's a song that he did with his wife, Candace, and I think it's called Moon is Right, Moon is Shining. Hey, you're tuning into Nostalgia Reading Cars with that said, we'll be right back. Best brews in Tampa Bay at Dunedin Brewery. Known as Florida's oldest microbrewery, they are always working to create a unique variety of craft beers for every taste. In addition, Dunedin Brewery features a full menu, including everything from their famous wings, burgers, salads, flatbreads, and more. Don't forget about their live music, including the Wednesday Night Players Jam. That's Dunedin Brewery, 937 Douglas Avenue in downtown Dunedin. Visit them online at dunedinbrewery.com. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than flacarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, flacarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at flacarshows.com. Okay, we're back. We're tuning into Nostalgia Radio and Cars. We all are. I have to laugh. Here goes a big shout-out to Joe Pepitone, because Joe was on our show here a while back, because he sent me a... What do they call that thing, Bobby? Is it a GIF uh, or something? That's a GIF, yes. GIF, 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 whatever. G- okay, so. a, yeah, we could debate that all. Okay. We don't have a long enough show. <laughs> anyway, but it's Forrest Gump 
And he's sitting on his little motor boat there, and kind of like one in the in the, yeah. in the bubble gum thingy. And he's waving at us. And you all can see that if you go to our video. And oh you yeah, can you can actually it. see that. Yeah. Okay. Well, I didn't know that. Okay. Well, yeah. it shows how much I know about technology. Yeah. Anyway, you were going to say, Bobby. Oh yes, I was going to. The quick announcements are: don't forget about nostalgicradioandcars.com as well. That is the easiest place to find all the links and all the ways to hear the show and all 500 of them when you're. Uh, needing to listen to that over and over and over here for the next month um and then obviously tonight today is once again the great american takeout so that's uh encouraging you to go out to the rib shack barbecue and all the other great uh restaurants offering uh takeout and um you know get them on uber eats get them on um bite squad rib shack barbecue uh they could very well be offering a discounted um uh, delivery fee so that's really helpful so, uh, yep, go out there and get that barbecue. Keep them, keep them, support them. Anyway, so then the thing we were going to, the cool thing we are going to talk about, um, it's just in addition to what you were talking about earlier with Oh, wait, 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 let me interject. April 17th, that was a couple days ago, was uh, the big anniversary was the, uh, for the Mustang, because the Mustang was released oh, in 19, yes. so that's 64 years ago, right? Is that about right? Yes. We'll, we'll, we'll do the 54. math during the break. 56. <laughs> 56. 66. 56. Yeah, 56 years ago, the very first Mustang, April 4th, April uh, 17th. So that's uh, National Mustang Day. And then I think today was something or other. I don't remember what today was. Because there's there's something. There's they're a, celebrating something every day. So yeah, There's a website for that. I don't know what it is, yeah. but you can find all that stuff. But I had but to throw that out gonna, Yes, because if you're going to do it, if you want a pre-purchase inspection on a Mustang, it's oh, yeah. stuck here in Florida. Yep. You, we have the ability, thanks to smartphones, to do a Skype pre-purchase inspection. It is um, essentially where it's where we can do live video with with uh, even if we can get the car up on a lift and whatnot. We can take use a phone via phone, Zoom or Skype, and we can uh, uh, give you a walk around of the car in addition to the report. Um, and you can basically control the control the inspection, and uh, we've done it for uh, our German clients. And um, before, obviously, we can't disclose that video because it's they paid for that service. Um, but it's a really cool thing. So if, whether there's a pandemic or not, it's uh, something to consider if you don't really want to do the traveling or can't or just simply can't. Um, it's it's a uh, it's a really good thing to do. Okay, well that's good, yeah, because been basically we like we did with that. It was a, um, I think it was a Hudson, wasn't it? Yes, Hudson, yes. right. Mm-hmm. So basically, what we did is we did a complete video. <laughs> Excuse me, mm-hmm. <coughs> we did a walk around. Yep. We did a video. Live. We had the engine live. We hear the engine running. You hear me start the mm-hmm. engine. In fact, what was interesting on that one, which was kind of funny, is because the uh, had a little the little starter drag, yep. you know. Yep. But I referenced that I in in the thing. It's and, a very uh, honest way to yeah, to and and you can you can point these things out, you know, and mm-hmm. you can go back. But I tell you what, with the vi- with the technology that they have today, it just uh, it's a huge time saver, and that mm-hmm. it, it just brings everything. On this respect yeah. or in this regard, I'm okay with technology, yeah. and I'm okay with the, you know working on a global level, yeah. you know, because it's uh, you know. So if the guy, like you said, is in Germany, Sweden, or wherever, mm-hmm. you know, or but you anyway, can do it here in America too, <laughs> or you can do it yeah if you're up in like for example the guy that uh, the, the the Lamborghini, the Lamborghini's from Kentucky, it's down here. Because of the the customer that works on the customer has his shop relocated down here to uh, um, to Florida, so I got a call from uh, the person in Kentucky, Louisville, mm-hmm. not where you were. Yeah, Come, yeah. Okay, Louisville, and they called me up, and said, "Do I do uh, diminished values?" And I asked them. I said, "Yeah, sure." Or, or I responded, "Say yes, sure." And then of course I've asked them, "How'd you find out about us?" And they said, "Google." Google. Yeah, Google. Thank you, Miss Google. And uh, so you know, um, but uh, yeah, but we we yeah we don't have the Skype yet for the appraisals because obviously for if you're gonna if it's gonna hold up in court you're gonna want to put obviously we're gonna want to lay eyes on it. Oh yeah, but yeah. but for pre-purchase inspection that's a cool little added feature that you can see you can you if you want us to to stare at the same corner of the car for three hours that's fine no, we, 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 will, can, we that. can do that absolutely <laughs> on that note i think it's just about time to get our special guest on the phone so uh tommy why don't you go ahead and call our good buddy up here in a few minutes uh, let's throw some music on the air and uh, you're tuning to nostalgic radio cars don't touch the dial and here's a little guess who hemming down world hey you're tuning to nostalgic radio cars don't touch the dial we'll be right back see the noise see the fear and commotion Don't give me no hand me down. 
Charlie Sheen. He's stepping out, looking things over, trying a new line of work. Charlie Sheen is Ted Varick, crossing the line into no man's land. Don't you think we're pushing our luck? No such thing. No limits. This ain't exactly repo work. This ain't exactly work, period. No boundaries. What about this one? Not too shabby, huh? I only steal portions. <laughs> There's a local outfit stealing Porsche. My money's on the owner, Ted Barrett. Why me? Because you don't act like a cop. You turn, Bill. Welcome to No Man's Land. Take a look around, Bill. America's finest, the plague. Well, I guess what's important here is that you're having a good time. So good, so good, because I got you. I want Barrett. Concentrate on Barrett. Rich boys like you turn my stomach. I don't even know who you are. I never even knew your name. I need you to wash my back. Can't do this anymore. I feel dirty. Nowhere to turn. These guys ever give up? I do this for a living. No place to hide. Ted. He's a cop. Tell me something I don't know. Coming full speed from Orion Pictures. <laughs> Showtime, folks. No Man's Land. If you love classic cars, then Donald loves you. Hi, it's Donald Osborne, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. <laughs> okay, we're back. We actually did that. We saw Donald at uh, Amelia Island this year, and he was walking through the... Uh, where were we? We're in the cafeteria or the, the luncheon room, yeah. And we asked him to do a liner. He says, can I sing one? Yeah. And we said, certainly. Yes. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. Anyway, hey, it's time to introduce our special guest for the evening. This gentleman is a serious automotive historian. He's a retired, or is the retired, senior market editor from uh, Fort Kelly Blue Book. He's also in the leading authority on the Ford Etzels. Now, I love Etzels myself. I've actually... Had a few of those over the years, so I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening, Phil Skinner. Phil, how you doing, buddy? Very good, Robert. We're yourself. You having a good time out there in Florida? Yeah, we're uh, maintaining six feet. <laughs> yeah, hey, and you can still go to the beach. And we can still go. Well, can we go to the beach here in Florida? Yes, some beaches, some, not, not anywhere around here. Yeah. Oh, Jacksonville, Jacksonville. That's it. Yeah, so we're we're like on the west coast in the middle, and that's uh, northwest. That's about Amelia Island, in fact, uh, up there is Jacksonville. But uh, anyway, hey, listen, I played the clip there. Um, from the old film that I saw back in the 80s called No Man's Land, and uh, obviously it was about stealing Porsches. And I think, if I remember correctly, you said you worked in uh, auto theft, right, in L.A.? Uh, I did have a career in that uh, wonderful line back, <laughs> way back, way back when I was a youngin'. Uh, could leap tall buildings in a single bound was faster than a speeding bullet, but uh, yes, those were the good old days. Well, now tell us a little bit about what was, uh, uh, and I don't know if you touched with the guys, you know, some of your... Uh, uh, let's just say um, constituents or people in the, in the same field, but uh, how much is auto theft and in, in, uh, with resources and technology, how much has it changed in the last 30, 40 years? It has changed dramatically. Um, I, I seriously retired in 87, so that's 33 years ago, and the technologies in the auto field has changed. The whole direction of auto theft has changed. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with the film uh, Gone in 60 Seconds with Nicolas Cage. Oh, yes, absolutely. And we, yeah. we played that clip, too. <laughs> yes. There is a film before that that is called Gone in 60 Seconds with a chap by the name of H.B. Toby Hilicki. Yeah, the original and one. Mm -hmm. The original one. Yes. And I really, you know, you wanted a, if you wanted a primer on auto theft from that era, yeah. that show shows you how to steal a car. Uh, and if you really pay attention, they showed a lot of little secrets in there that you don't normally think of, such as uh, pulling the back seat to pull the broadcast form out of a car because serial number's on it. Uh -huh. and, uh, so it was just little tricks like that. And uh, those were, it was kind of a fun thing to do. Um, you know, and I, I, have, I have one client today who says the reason I get along with cars so well is because I don't like people. I don't like people. Okay. And so I, I have no problem with cars. Uh, and it's not really all that true. I like you. Um, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> of 
Because you're sending me a big check for this appearance. Right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it's okay, in the mail. I, yeah. <laughs> it's in the mail. <laughs> I just sent it out a second ago. <laughs> yeah, no. And it was great hearing Donald Osborne's voice. John is a great friend. We've uh, we've worked together for a week or two. And uh, he, he is. And this guy is like the most one of the most knowledgeable people, a regular on Jay Leno's Garage. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is a actual trained opera singer and has appeared at the Metropolitan in New York, as well as numerous other venues. And uh, really, is an all-around just a great guy. So I'm glad he made your uh, little liner there for you. Excellent. Oh, yeah, we are too. We're tickled. Um, so ba- back in the day, now um, what a lot of people don't realize is there's what they call confidentiality numbers on a car. I guess that's a term that they use. And right. they're usually hidden numbers, and on like on a Mustang, obviously they're on the core support, or not the core support, but they're on the on the inner aprons and stuff like that. And that's the only area that I know of. And I know on some cars they're on the frames, and um, yeah. So given that, and of course today they're on just about every panel, they're on the glass, they're on they're they're, they're just about marked everywhere. But back in the day. What were some of the difficulties that you guys had? So in other words, when you know when when auto theft was t- when the car was getting stolen, and the numbers being changed, was there any way if you did locate the car, um, how were you able to, to uh, you know t- to, to match the car up? Every car was a little bit different, and mm-hmm. I hate to say General Motors. It, in my opinion, the automakers made confidential or hidden numbers difficult to find. Because their hopes were, somebody steals this car, the guy gets it stolen, he'll go out and buy another one from us. <laughs> that okay. is my, it's my honest opinion. Okay. Um, the problems were, and like I say, like a 1969 Camaro, mm-hmm. uh, they have confidential numbers. But to get to those confidential numbers, you've got to remove the heater core, you've got to remove the heater fan and all the heater components off the firewall to find them. Yeah, it's upside down, stamped on the uh, below the floor motor. Yeah, and it makes it a very difficult job. Uh, so, what has changed uh, back in the up into the early '80s? Mm-hmm. Um, you would maybe find a serial number on a car two or three times. Uh, you were talking Mustangs. Mm-hmm. The Mustang had its serial number on the fender aprons underneath the front fenders. Mm-hmm. Well, if you did a front clip on the car, you'd say you took the front end of the car and replaced it. There were no serial numbers, or there were non, no matching serial numbers on those cars. No numbers. There are no numbers on the on the Mustang behind the firewall. Mm, no, that's true. Well, see, and th- this is why I brought this up, because you and I also are like pretty avid uh, collector car guys. So yes. I looked at a 67 Shelby one time in, uh, in Orlando, and the numbers are on the apron, like you mentioned, and then there's the, which is the Ford number on a Shelby, and then it has the Shelby number, the aluminum plate, which is riveted over that. And right. I'm one of the state reps for the Shelby Club, so when you verify one of those cars, you have to take one of the rivets off, slide it over, and then cross-reference that number with the Shelby number, send it to Rick Kopeck, and then he'll verify whether it's a real Shelby or not. He won't say anything other than yes, no, that's it, or look again. But where I'm going with this is that car was crashed and fixed, and just like you said, the front clip was taken off of it, or if it was replaced, there's no numbers on the car. You couldn't even verify it was a real Shelby. You have to look for other nuances on the car to validate that that car was a real 67 Shelby. Right, and it's, it makes it very, very difficult um, I was, I, I'd work for a number of auction houses. One of the things I do is I'm a VIN specialist. When a vehicle comes in, I look at the cars. A VIN of a 69 Camaro came in. And right now you can go out and buy a complete Camaro box, everything. Mm-hmm. Add your own VIN number. And a uh, car came in, had, to, had a funny-looking VIN number. It was, all the numbers were right, but it, the, the font on the VIN plate was not factory okay and it turned out i said the car is just not right and we searched it out and found out indeed it was a brand new body they'd gone to the junkyard gotten a number just made up like a dymo label maker put mm-hmm. the number on there and uh was you know had managed to get it titled some states are lax some states are not so lax and in that case uh we ran the vehicle and I said I can't, you know, I cannot verify its serial number because that's a fake serial number. This is a made-up car. 
technically it needs to have a state issued uh, VIN number. Exactly. Exactly. Now let me ask you this. Um, let's use 61, 62 Corvettes, for example, where the VIN number is actually a tag that is spot welded to the steering column. You switch the steering column, and the VIN number goes with the car. And to my knowledge, on the early Corvettes, they're not stamped in the frame like the later C3s, C2s, and C3s were. They are stamped. They are. On the, they are on the left frame rail, towards the rear, uh, towards the rear end of the car. Even on the early cars like that, going all the way back to 1953. Oh, really? Okay, I just learned something. All my listeners just learned something here. So don't yeah. go out and steal Corvettes because no, the, fr- the, frame the top frame <laughs> is stamped. Okay, uh, but it's very difficult to find it. You almost have to remove the body to come to come to it. Again, General Motors was horrible. Uh, we had another case. I was at, at an auction, and six fifty-seven four, uh, fifty-seven Chevrolets came up. It was a bank had repossessed these cars. They had taken them in on a loan. The guy comes up, and every one of the VIN plates on the cars, they were 57 Chevrolet Bel Air VIN plates. The problem with a 57 Chevy Bel Air VIN plate, you can't tell if it's for a two-door sedan, four-door hardtop, or a convertible, or even a station wagon. It just tells you it's a Bel Air. Uh, but the plates on the cars, of which the paperwork was titled to, just didn't set right. And we checked and not one of those cars, when we went and found the frame numbers, which, again, is a difficult task with a Chevrolet. Uh, and when I was younger, I was a young pup in the police department, and I was the one who was told, go find the numbers, Phil. <laughs> it's like, oh, 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 oh. Anyway, um, but you, you found them, and not one of those numbers matched any of the paperwork, anything. It was just like a, a total, you know, and we told the bank, we can call the police department. They can come down here and pick these cars up, run them, and chances are they're going to come back stolen. Oh. Or you can take these cars and you can go sort them out. And the bank obviously chose to pick the car up and sort it out. Let me ask you this now. Okay, so you mentioned uh, the Camaro, which is a Dynacorn body, and Dynacorn make Camaros, they make Chevelles, they make Mustangs, and stuff like that. Here's my right. concern as a car guy, dealer, appraiser, okay, is you and I know, because we've been around, But once we're not on the planet anymore, 20 years from now, these cars that were basically, uh, let's just call them a kit car for all practical purposes, because that's what they are, and they don't have a a, a FL or a CA assigned number. They have a number that somebody borrowed off another car or that they junked. Who's going to be able to validate these cars, whether they're real cars down the road? Now, I don't have a problem with that if it's a Rustom mod or something like that, but when you try to sit there and say, well, this is an original 65 Mustang or a 69 Camaro, uh, and it's not. You and I both know that because it's a Dynacorn body. I took issue with that. I really do. I... Well, the problem is the good thing. On the good side, there are a few people out there who are trying to document all this and mm-hmm. putting it down. Uh, for Mopar fanatics, there's a guy named David Weiss who I just uh, – the guy is phenomenal in documenting what is, what isn't right. And he has – he's actually published several books – on the, uh, he calls it the Dodge and Plymouth Body Field Guide um, for everything that numbers on there for authenticating uh, a Mopar. Um, Chevrolet, uh, Pontiac, they have people who are helping and getting some of this done, but it's it's very difficult with GM products. Uh, for Ford, 1967 and newer products, Kevin Marty, Marty Auto Works, mm-hmm. Uh, who has the actual factory records, and he sells sells the information. It's a service. He's in business, but again, uh, he is his uh, reputation to me is totally impeccable. Mm-hmm. As is David Weiss with the Mopars. These guys cannot be bought, and there are. Kevin has told me there have been incidents of people coming to him and say, yeah, I know my Mustang is kind of was originally born green, but I really like red. Is there any way you can change the data to make it show my car was red from the factory? And you get, you get that type of thing. Or my car really is a nice car, and it's restored with the 390 engine, uh, but it's a C code 289. Is there any way you can change that to make it an S instead of a C? And make it, you know, you can't do that, and he won't do that. And uh, those people, they're, they're the ones in the they're the ones in the future. Ferrari people, um, they're very fortunate. The Ferrari files exist, and Ferraris are very well documented. But there are still fakes out there. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I was worse. Than, I was writing a, a catalog description uh, just a couple of years ago, and um, the car I was writing up was here in the states. There was a duplicate in Europe. Same serial number. Same identical car. Ooh. Which one's the fake? And it it turned out one car had the chassis. One car had the original Body. engine. Me made two cars. Okay. So it's kind of like stuff like that that you kind of run into. And, and uh, the auction company, I, when I found that out, I went to them and said, hey, we've got a problem. And we sold the car, but we fully disclosed the fact that there's another car in Europe with this same serial number. Well, I would imagine that affected the value of that car. It so, does. It yeah. does. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've had uh, some other. I, there was another auction house that had a, a very similar situation. Uh, of a very important car, and it was a week before, a couple of days before the auction, that it, it came to be that this all of a sudden is like, uh, no, that car's actually in Europe. And uh, they had to pull the car, and it's like, and they issue a statement saying, hey, we have our reputation, and we don't want anybody to get, you know, screwed over. Tell us about um, the uh, being the market editor for Kelly Blue Book. Now, was that for the regular Blue Book, or that was their, their classic book, classic car book division? I was their collector car market okay. editor. Okay. You know, only with the collector cars. So take but us, I got to go over and play with the people who grade the new cars. Okay. Well, so take <laughs> us through, take us through the process here. So, as the market editor, and how do you accumulate the data that it goes into those uh, publications, those books, that little Kelly Blue Book? Well, most all of it is, you know, the only real public way to acquire sales information are through the auctions, the collector car auctions. And uh, I attended a lot of collector car auctions. I uh, was writing for a couple of different magazines and uh, would go cover the auctions. And you sit there and you just gather the market data, what the cars are selling for. And you're, you kind of figure, okay, is this a real high-end sale or is this a wholesale uh, you go to a sale like a, a Meekum. Mm-hmm. Meekum, I consider his sales generally to be wholesale. Okay. Um, the, the, the people are there; they're buying. It's mostly dealer to dealer. There's a lot of dealer sales. Mm-hmm. Uh, I happen to think Meekum is one of the best sales to go to if you're a private collector, because most of the people you're going up against are other dealers. And if you're looking to buy a car for yourself, uh, that's a perfect perfect opportunity to go there and score a deal. Yeah, because you're going to pay dealer prices. You're going to pay what dealers want to pay Correct. wholesale. Right, exactly. Anyway, so, uh, we just gathered the uh, prices, and uh, sometimes there are cars in our books that we never saw at auction. We never saw them anywhere. And the best we could do there was go for a comp, which mm-hmm. is something similar. Um, if I was trying to figure out the price of a 1953 Buick four-door sedan, uh, Buick Special, let's say, four-door sedan. Well, I knew if I had seen a 52 or even a 51 Buick, that gave me kind of a general idea of where the market was for the vehicles. And this is the way all the value guides kind of have to work. It's uh, doing like a, a real estate agent does with uh, property comps. Mm-hmm. So it was uh, doing comparative values in cases. Um, a lot of it was watching markets sometimes you just look at something that was an anomaly and you just sometimes threw it out um if you're at an auction and you happen to see a a k code 1965 mustang k code 289 271 horse uh, convertible and it sells at twenty thousand dollars you kind of go, what's wrong with that mm-hmm. and the next week you see one sell for sixty five thousand dollars it's like well where's the market so it's looking and seeing, well, why did that one sell? And the reason I liked like going to auctions, haven't been able to do that for the past month and a half, um, is that I actually can see the condition of the cars, and that gives me a better insight as to uh, why that car didn't bring all the money in the world. So in Kelly Blue Book, um, and I know I have a couple issues laying around, but for our listeners, so the, the, how, are the, how are they categorized? So they're basically like clean, rough, uh, high we mileage? Have, uh, with Kelly. Now, here's the, the thing that's happened. After I left Kelly Blue Book, they discontinued all their publications. So no, Kelly Blue Book no longer has a blue book. That's unfortunate. Oh, really? 
The company has become more of a multimedia marketing company, and uh, it's owned by Cox, uh, Cox Automotive, which is a you know Cox uh, Broadcasting and all that. Uh, and so it's really kind of changed its uh, lay. But when I was doing it, and the, what the books that are still out there as collector books usually give you a excellent condition. These, okay. You know, the cars you rarely ever see in excellent condition, but these are the show cars. Uh, if you go to Amelia and Concord, the cars that are on the field there mm-hmm. are what you call an excellent car. Uh, then you would have what we call a good car, and that's maybe a nice, presentable driver car. And then we would have a fair car. That's kind of like, eh, yeah, it was sitting in the driveway for a couple of years. And it, we got it to run, but it's eh, a little crusty looking. So those were the three basic categories uh, that we divided the vehicle into, or at least a Kelly Blue Book. Uh, other companies I work for, there's a publication, Old Cars Price Guide, mm-hmm. uh, out of Wisconsin. They have number codes. Number one is absolute perfection, and then two, three, four, five, and all the way down to six, which is a pile of junk parts. <laughs> uh, so every guide has a little bit different, uh, I think, uh, trying to think, uh, NADA, their, their guides have... Uh, very good, good, and, and fair. So it's uh, everybody's a little bit different, but you just have to kind of, you know, look at the guide. And what's happened is um, you set a pattern up of where the curve is for those prices. And over the years, we've watched the price of restorations go up. So now the jump from a number one car to, say, a number two car has grown. Magnet, I mean, just much huger because of the amount of money it takes to bring a car up to number one condition. Well, yeah, and then of course, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Keith Martin's uh, sports car market and American Car Collector. I mean, they're probably the the go to magazine, I guess. You know, for uh, both of those publications, which I'm, I'm very fortunate to be associated with both those mm-hmm. publications. Um, they are they they have their finger on the pulse of the market, mm-hmm. and what I really like about Everybody who writes for Sports Car Market and American Car Collector, both of them, most of the writers in that area are real car enthusiasts. They're not just, you know, some you know, guy who has a writing degree and can write. <laughs> These are real enthusiasts writing about real experiences. And uh, the people who go to, their oct- go to the auctions, they don't just kind of glance at a car. They look at it, they give you a real honest perception of what the vehicle is, and they've been doing this for years, they're trained eyes, and uh, if you're a, a, just a layman and you want to go buy a car, it doesn't hurt to get a hold of a writer, a journalist, somebody who knows the collector car world. They're there to help you, you know, and it might cost you a little bit of money to, you know, buy their time for a, a little half a day or something, but uh, it saves you a lot of money in the long run. To get an expert to help look at your, you know, put eyes on a car for you. We got a minute or two left. Uh, past president of the Etzel Owners Association, Owners Club. So, uh, in one minute, tell us a little bit about Etzels. I love Etzels personally. I think they're cool. <laughs> Etzels were produced by Ford Motor Company. They were introduced in September 1957 as 1958 models. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had unique styling. Uh, they were meant to fill in some price gaps. Over at General Motors, you had Chevrolet, then you could move up to Pontiac, then to Oldsmobile, then to Buick, then all the way up to Cadillac. Uh, even at Chrysler Corporation, you go Plymouth to uh, Dodge to DeSoto to Chrysler to Imperial. Over at Ford, you had Ford, Mercury, and Lincoln, and they had those gaps. And so the Edsel was trying to fill those pricing gaps. And um, there were there was a number of things that happened. There was uh, initial assembly quality wasn't the best. Uh, there was some intercompany problems. And there was a huge recession coming on. And you're bringing out a medium-priced car at the end of the car season when everybody is selling their 57 models at a cut rate. You're trying to introduce and sell your 58s at full price. And uh, so there was just a lot of marketing boo-boos. But the cars are good. They're fun, and uh, they have a little stigma. And uh, uh, we like to, you know, we all know what the acronym of Edsel really means. Uh, you know, so it's kind of a, it's just a neat car, and I enjoy them. And everybody knows what you're driving usually. <laughs> Do you know a guy by the name of Curry Weed? 
Boy, do I know Curry Weed. Yes. He helped me. He's down here in Sarasota. He has a beautiful 58 uh, convertible. It's a convertible. Yep. And, uh, yeah. But he helped me put together a uh, push-button control once on a customer's uh, Edsel. Yeah. Curry Weed worked with Edsel Division. Yes. He was the head of the maintenance uh, program. Of He wrote the, uh, the, the maintenance repair manual. Yep. And a great guy, very knowledgeable, and uh, he was one of the last employees. He managed to stay with the Edsel Division right till the very end. He did, that's right. I think then he went to Mercury or Ford. Thunder. Right, he stayed with Ford Motor Company for many years. Mm-hmm. And he's uh, a great guy. He's taught me a lot. I mean, and I know I know a lot, but he can teach me even more. And that's a great guy. we got about uh, 25 seconds. You mentioned something in one of your texts about Sweden, collector cars, real quick. Biggest car show, American car show outside the United States, maybe even bigger than the U.S., uh, up to 15,000 American cars in Leeds Shopping, Sweden. It's every year in July. It's called the Power Big Meet. Uh, it is. It should be on your bucket list if you love American cars, American car shows. And the Swedes really like us. The Swedes really. Have you been to that event? I've been to. I've been to it every year since 1996. No kidding. And wow. we're, we just got word today because there was concern with the coronavirus, but they said, nope, we're going to go with it. So it's the first weekend uh, to be the Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, first Friday, Saturday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday in July this year. Uh, well worth coming to. And then there's another half dozen great car shows in Sweden. Uh, probably, I think that somebody said there's close to 200,000 vintage American cars in Sweden. That's incredible. That's incredible. It is, and they're very enthusiastic. And the best thing about going to Sweden, as most any other country, they speak English. They speak English. Well, Phil, I want to thank you very much for hanging out with us here at Nostalgia Premium Cars. Look forward to having you on the show again sometime. You take care. Stay safe. Thank you, sir. We'll uh, see you soon. We'll see you. And uh, I want to thank my special guest, Phil Skinner. Take care, buddy. Hey, hey Dor. Hey, I want to thank all my listeners for tuning in to Nostalgia Premium Cars. Don't forget, every Tuesday night here on the Tam Talk Radio Network, you can listen to some of the most fascinating and legendary names in motorsports right here. Uh, nostalgic Radio Cars. Don't forget to check out our website, golfstreetmotorsports.com. Follow us on our social media. Bobby, you got anything to say? Yeah, and check out nostalgicradioandcars.com. That's exactly right. And now I want to see you guys pick up a hobby, get your cars going, go out and drive. That's the best way to maintain social distance. Put a smile on your face, drive. The weather's pretty decent. Put your top down, open your sunroof. Put the windows down. 250 air. That's two two windows down, 250 air, you know. At, uh, two, uh, anyway, you'll, you'll get it. But anyway, hey, in the meantime, <laughs> you'll feel it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. WTAN, Clearwater, FM 106.1, WDCF, Dade City, FM 102.3, WZHR, Zephyr Hills, FM 104.3. Listen.